Hey, from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, a show with two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. John Trumbull, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, Darren. How are you doing? Not too bad. The summer's coming uh, to an end, coming to a close. We're wrapping it up. You know, the, the hazy, crazy days of summer are coming to an end. And uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. And I'm doing super okay. I'm doing better than okay. I'm doing great. You know why, John, I'm doing great? Why are you doing great, Darren Patterson? Because we got a guest with us, John Trumbull. <gasps> well, uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in the chat room with us tonight, we have an amazing comedian and uh, the one of the hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, Dear Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, we give it up for Aaron McGuire. Yay, me! Ba, 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 ba. I felt like I needed to give myself some sort of fanfare. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, welcome aboard, Aaron. We're happy to have you here. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very honored because Darren is truly like a DeerPod super fan. And, you know, I just feel like this is a crossover that the world needs. This is it. This is the uh, that episode of the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. This is exactly. that. Exactly. It's. I was thinking more like Golden Girls and Empty Nest, like Ooh. the spinoffs, you know? Oh, there was yeah, that one yeah. episode where like there was a hurricane in Miami that like all three of the shows... It was like Empty Nest, Golden Girls, and Nurses sort of connected to, in, into each other. Did anybody else remember that? I, I, I vaguely remember, remember that. I, I remember there, there was the episode where all the NBC sitcoms had the blackout. And that was oh. when Friends had the, the Chandler getting stuck in the ATM vestibule with... Uh, with Jill Goodacre. With Jill Goodacre. Yeah. Thank you. And and yeah. all the all the... Thursday night sitcoms did that, except for Seinfeld. Seinfeld was just like, "Yeah, we're not doing." That. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. We don't play by your rules, NBC. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Get out of here! Oh, no. And then oh, NBC man. just sheepishly went, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> yes. Your, your impression of Seinfeld sounds more like a horn that's messing up. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going for. Good, good. Yeah, it's like if somebody had tried to defibrillate or do like CPR at Ray Romano. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was trying to do it with Seinfeld, it came out like a dying goose. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, at this point, I think Seinfeld is a dying goose. Yeah, so wow. the sounds are similar. No, no, I didn't oh, mean it wow. like that. Oh boy! Oh, boy. oh God! I'm canceled before I've even been started. Oh man. dear! Oh dear! Oh, uh, no. Seinfeld! Uh, Seinfeld, if you're listening, I'd like to apologize. We're, we're all available to open for you at any venue, so please. Anytime. Anytime. I will, we will Gary drop Seinfeld whatever we're doing. Not listening to this podcast, you guys. <laughs> never say never. Oh boy! Right, wow, this this episode's coming in hot already. It's yeah, possible, yeah. but I I would say extremely unlikely. We're but we we should get into why we're here. We're we're not just here to have this wonderful banter. We're here to talk about the new Apple TV series Schmigadoon, which just wrapped up uh, this week on the thirteenth, I think. Uh yeah, uh, Schmigadoon Apple TV came out uh you know last uh, month on July sixteenth. Um, stars Keegan Michael Key, Cecily Strong, Fred Armisen, uh, produced by the great Lauren Michaels. Uh, I was looking through the credits and I saw that uh, Bone Yang is a like a creative producer, a consulting producer on this show. He even wrote an episode. I missed that. Yeah, he wrote an episode with uh, I believe Julie Klausner. Julie Klausner. Klausner, yeah. yes, absolutely. Okay. And uh, cool. Uh, yeah, and the show is created by uh, Cinco Paul and uh, Ken Darino. So um, 
So, but, you know, before we get into that, let's start off with this. Uh, Aaron McGuire, we ask all our guests the same question once they get on. Are you an SNL nerd? Do you have any love for the show? Do you think it's okay? Do you have any favorite, um, you know, cast members? Any favorite eras? Any favorite sketches? Let us know your SNL journey, please. My SNL journey is pretty intense. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. And I came up in the era of the Dana Carvey, Michael, Mike Myers, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that whole group of people. Like that cast to me was how I was introduced to SNL. And, you know, like um, Toons is the Driving Cat and (laughs) Phil Hartman, you know, like the Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. and, and, And that was to me my SNL. So I, as much as I appreciate and love and can look back at the Bill Murray era, the Dan Aykroyd, you know, the original cast, and, and like love everything that happened there. To me, my heart will always lie in that like late 80s, early 90s casting. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, uh, this is a big surprise, especially as a comedian. I have crippling OCD. Sign me up. Uh, yeah, like there's a number. The line forms to the left. You, of course, you're a comedian because you have OCD. But one of my weird quirks, I was like a, a counter. You know, like I had, I was part. I had patterns that I had to do every day, or I would feel really shook. And for some reason, one of my patterns was I would tape every episode of SNL, but I would have to watch episodes of SNL before I went to school. Like I would get up at seven in the morning, get ready for school. And I would have to come downstairs, put in the VHS tape and obsessively watch an episode or like even three or four sketches before I went to school. What does that do to a kid's brain? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) A, A brain that's already interesting to begin with, but I would memorize them and then I would perform them at recess when I got to school that day. So every, every morning there was recess at, you know, 10 something, all the kids would go out and they would all sit on the the balance beam and I would act out characters from SNL. And then I started making up my own characters and I developed 75 characters when I was a kid and I had them all on index cards. Damn. Like I'm, I, you thought, I mean, like you hit the jackpot when it comes to SNL nerds. (laughs) Holy moly. Right? Index card. Yeah, index card. Yeah. I, I didn't even go that far. I just kind of... I was a little Forrest Gumpy about it. I was like, <laughs> you know, I just, I was, I loved it. And it was like comfort food to me. So like Dana Carvey will always be my childhood. And Mike Myers and, and just that, those those guys specifically, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jan Hooks, ugh, oh. one of my favorite favorites jan hooks no we've talked about on the show how we i i truly think jan hooks was so underrated like she yeah she was a powerhouse like she was like she was kind of the one of the the few people that can go like toe to toe with hartman and we love hartman here on this podcast yes yes and and she just was you know like jane Curtin. i also feel was underrated Mm -hmm. in what she was capable of like she was a female straight man you know but it was they, they were so hard to come by and yeah. and she played it so well and she just walked that line and um i was very excited slash honored slash shocked when i was asked to do the lucille ball comedy festival 
and it coincided with the opening of the National Comedy Center in uh, Jamestown, New York. So it's a big museum that's a huge tribute to comedy. If you're ever in the neighborhood, go. If you're not in the neighborhood, get in the neighborhood to go because it's a really fantastic museum. And um, since it was the opening weekend, it was like gala events were happening and it was overwhelming because like a lot of the original cast of SNL was there. So I remember like going and just like, I had a couple hours free. I went to go watch Lorraine Newman on a podcast and, you know, it was wild to be on a t-shirt sharing, <laughs> sharing a t-shirt with these names, you know, and your, your mm. name is on the t-shirt, like under Lily Tomlin. And I'm like, that's, it's wild. But as a kid, like that's my eight year old me being like, oh, my OCD feels so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you you kind of love the same era that John and I kind of grew up with. Like, I think when we, mm -hmm. like, years ago, we, when we started this podcast, we talked about how, like, the late 80s was basically our era. Like like you said, Dana Carvey, yeah. Phil Hartman, uh, you know, Kevin Nealon, like, uh, Jan yes. Hooks, all, like, that era, you know, that era was, like, the one where everything was just kind of banging on all cylinders for, all, for both of us, I'd say. Exactly. I just felt like there were no, there was no dead weight. That's no. true. Yeah, not at and, all. And, and people can't... because it was a smaller cast too. They had to all be more <laughs> versatile, and you got a better sense of what everybody could do. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved think, it. Yeah, I think people almost kind of forgot how big Dana Carvey was back in the day. Like he was, he was a, a star. Like he was a big deal back in his day. Like he, like he was one of those things. He was just like everybody liked him immediately, and he could just kind of could do no wrong. You put him in any sketch, he could like make it better like he had all yeah. these all these impressions just at the ready like you know his Regis Philman his Johnny Carson he could just like go into it and like he was really he was he, really he something he debated himself in the 92 elections he did George Bush and Ross Perot that's right ah. yeah I forgot about that oh my god yes <laughs> can I finish can god. I finish yeah. yeah 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 wasn't that also the John Lovitz era mm-hmm yeah yeah yeah, yeah. John Lovitz was around. I think like John Lovitz was like mid '80s, but then he, yeah. he kind of carried over to like the late '80s and like by Lovitz the '90s was, in, was in that that cast that they had for one year with uh, Randy Quaid and Laura oh. Dunn and oh. Dennis Miller started that same year. And then John Lovitz was one of the few people that they saved. In fact, I think at the end of that season they did a thing where there was like a fire in the studio, and they had Lauren run in and save John Lovitz and oh. everyone else to burn. Oh my God. Yeah, that was so. It was That's pretty obvious how that, they found out who was going to be renewed. Right, right. So it was pretty obvious that John Lovitz was going to stick around. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Thanks. That's how I'm going to tell you that you're you're on for a new season. <laughs> That's good. You, Julia Louis Dreyfus, out the door. <laughs> you John Cusack, you're Jr. burning to death. But <laughs> oh my God, Joe Cusack. I know. Oh, my God. That was also like I did something with Denny Dillon years ago. I forget Ooh. what it was. But, yeah, oh, that wow. was another random one. Yeah, my lives, my multiple lives have intersected very interestingly, especially with Schmigadoon. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that you guys asked me to do it today and chat about it. I'm very excited. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I know one of the, one of the things you mentioned is that um, that you that you worked with uh, one of the creators of Schmigadoon, uh, Cinco Paul. Yeah. Well, him and his uh, partner, Ken, Dario, 
they created a, a musical called Bubble Boy based on, mm. I mean, they actually, remember the movie? That movie was theirs. With, uh, oh, with, with the, James Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so they made that movie into a musical. So funny, so sharp, show, so like charming and, and really smart. And I just wish it had more eyes on it when mm-hmm. it, when it was, you know, it was coming up because I, I got to do a smaller production of it when it was sort of on the newer side. And I played bubble boys, mom, like you do. <laughs> and uh, it was fun. It was just fun. And, and um, they sort of premiered it in New Jersey with, I think the hopes of it moving somewhere, but as is the case with a lot of musicals, trying to get, get a show from point A to point B to point C is so difficult even mm-hmm. with the history that they had and, and all the, the heft behind them, you know, he had already come into this having written movies and, and for some reason, I don't know what happened in the grand scheme of things. I know it's still out there. I think it's still being done. It's more like it's just being done in smaller venues and in colleges and in high schools and stuff like that. But it was cool to be part of that first cast. And I think, I don't know if we were the original cast of it or we were in the very beginning of it. So Uh. being part of the creation of it and having him out there and getting to hang out with him, such a cool guy, so chill, couldn't be nicer. And I feel like you see that in what he does. Like that show had so much heart. And when you look at Schmigadoon, there's no tarnish on it. You know, it's, it's smart and it has, um, it has a modern sensibility, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have, you know, parchment edges for like lack of a better term. It doesn't have this, this like cynicism. There's not yeah. an ounce of cynicism in what he does. Right. It's definitely like and a very so refreshing. Yeah. It's definitely right. like a very feel good show. This show. Yeah. But without it being, you know, shoving toxic positivity or cheesiness in your face, that's not ever his agenda. It's it, it always veers towards this upbeat feeling, mm. but with a modern sensibility with zero cynicism attached to it, which I think is a really wild line to walk mm-hmm. and difficult. Cause it's yeah. like, well, how can you, we live in such a cynical world and everything you feel like you're reading or seeing or hearing has this edge to it. It's like, Ugh, you know, it's like throw some swears in, make it darker. And, <laughs> and he sort of bucks that trend and you don't feel like you're watching some saccharine Disney movie at the same time. I mean, right. especially in the case of Schmigadoon, where it's like, this is a love letter to musical theater. So he's able to be tongue in cheek about it and like make fun of the form, but not, but doing it in this really honest and sincere way, which I think he pulls off beautifully. It's wild to see. Cause it's like also coming at it with this history of, knowing what it was like to work on bubble boy with him and even just getting to like hang and chat with him. He couldn't be sweeter. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't known that he would like such an, he was such an accomplished writer. I mean, he wrote, I'm looking at it now. Like he wrote uh, despicable me and he wrote oh, yeah. the, uh, the Lorax, uh, Dr. Seuss movie, uh, Horton hears a who it's like, Oh wow. This guy's got some, done some real. He's no stuff joke. Here. Yeah. And I think at the time that I worked with him, Despicable Me, at least the first one was already out. Um, so again, it's like the, he's him and his partner 
they're no joke. They they know what they're doing. And I wish that Bubble Boy had a bigger kaboom because I think it's so fun and charming and it could have been like another Bat Boy, you know, it could have. Right. And, and there's no saying that it can't. I would love for it to come back. And yes, I would love to play the mom. And yes, I'm Ooh. available. <laughs> Call me. Cinco Paul, if you're, if you're listening, <laughs> reach out to her people. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I still have one of the dresses from that show. I'm pretty sure I stole it. So I'm available. <laughs> and I have a costume. Wow. You're ready to go. I know. I know. I know. I don't joke around when it comes to employment. <laughs> oh. oh, who are you telling? He could be off oh, again in the matter of weeks. Oh, yeah. I'm, wouldn't it be great if this whole time I was just rehearsing it anyway? Just in case. <laughs> just you in never case. know. Just, just, like, I know be it's ready. been about seven or eight years, but I'm, I'm, I do it every night with my husband. And I'm like, let's just run through the lines again. Right. Come on. <laughs> I know you want to go to sleep, but come on. He could call any day now. You got to be on call like a surgeon. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> my beeper could go off and I, I got to go in. Any moment. You never know when that bubble boy bat signal is just going to go up into <laughs> the night sky. I need a bubble boy beeper. <laughs> it could happen. Exactly. Oh, wow. This episode's going to be great. I can feel it. Well, thank you. Okay. Well, I mean, so let's let's get a little into what, what Schmigadoon is. It's, it's about... It's about a couple, uh, Melissa and Josh. They're both doctors uh, from New York City, and they're they, they've been together for a few years. They've been together for like four years, I think. Uh, four years, two months. Yes, four years, two months. Oh wow! And uh, like the the various uh, episodes, they start with periodic flashbacks to their their relationship, so we can kind of see like both the good and the bad of their relationship. And they're going through a bad patch, and they go on this backpacking trip. And they get they get lost in the woods, and they find this magical town called Schmigadoon, where everyone's in this golden age style musical, and they can't leave the town until they find true love. Right. Uh, yeah. And like, so I mean, I know the show is called Schmigadoon. So I actually a couple of days ago I watched the show Brigadoon, which of course that's where the name of the show comes from, just to see like basically how close Brigadoon is to Schmigadoon, and yeah, like they kind of had the same kind of a plot to it uh you know yeah like, like i mean if, I'm, I'm, i don't know if you guys have seen brigadoon or, or not i know of but, brigadoon uh, i know brigadoon it's about it's like this this town that only appears once every hundred years or something like that spoiler whoa <laughs> I, I don't know that's all spoiler? you need to know, know about that. brigadoon no it's yeah. kind of not real i mean it's a movie from 1947 so it's barely a spoiler but uh yeah yeah so it's basically so like they sort of took that element of it and put it into Schmigadoon. And then I looked into it more and more, and I noticed, oh, like, a lot of the, like, characters are based off of other characters from musicals, which is something I really didn't even know, because, like, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a huge musical gu- musical guy. Um, mm-hmm. Like, um, like the leprechaun that tells the couple, Josh and Melissa, that, you know, played by Martin Short, who's only in it for, like, this one episode. He's yeah, like, I could have a great gig. Like, I, I could have had a little more Martin Short in this. I, I was hoping for more of him. Yeah, I thought he would make an, a bigger. He'd be like he'd play like a bigger part or make another appearance. But anyway, uh, his Leprechaun character is based on Og from Finian's Rainbow. Oh yeah, you knew that. Look at you saying all the yeah because I mean I came up in musical theater, so I know uh, all these things. I mean it's weird of all the things an Irish girl who's never done Finian's Rainbow or 
Brigadoon. These are two not very well-known musicals. They're not done a lot. But within the show, you can see Sound of Music. You can yeah. see it's mm-hmm. like, it's funny. Tips his hat to a lot of things. There's a tip of the hat to Music Man. There's actually a lot of Music Man yeah. in this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I was going uh, to say that too. There's a, like a, some of the characters are based on from the Music Man, like um, Kristen Chenoweth's character. Based yeah. on Mrs. Shin from Music Man, um, Dove Cameron's character, who uh, plays Betsy Madonna, the Madonna, the waitress who is the farmer's daughter, is based on Addo Annie from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Ado. Bailey, yeah, with Ada. Ada Annie. Ada. I played her. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Wow. I followed you. Yeah, all right. I'm no Dove Cameron, but I try. <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course, uh, Danny Bailey, who's the town rap scallion. Played by Aaron Tiviet. Is a base. (laughs) You know what? I'm just. Yeah, if you want me. Look, I'm going to be that person. Because again, it's like I come from musical theater, I come from comedy. I know all of these people. It's it's funny. No, 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 please correct me if if I'm mistaken. Like, again, I'm just. I'm a novice. I'm, I'm a babe in the woods over here. Yeah, but, uh, Aaron Tavite. He's he's great. He's great. Like such good casting for all of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could definitely tell like a lot of people had Broadway Broadway chops, as it were. Um, oh yeah. I, like I know the woman that played the school marm, Emma. I think she was from her character's based Hamilton. on the character. Yeah, she she was in Hamilton. Like I think some others as well. But she, I thought she was fantastic. Fantastic. And, uh, Ariana Debose is her name. Yeah. Damn, you are. I need Wikipedia for all this. You just know it off the top of your head. <laughs> Holy moly! And uh, yeah, Aaron Tavite is based on Billy Bigelow from Carousel. And, yep. Uh, like, yep. again, like, there's, like, a lot of things, like, I didn't, like, a novice, my, like, myself didn't know, but, like, I imagine if you're somebody who loves the musical theater, like yourself, Aaron, it's, like, a lot of this stuff was just, just speaking to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know Ann Harada, who played um, the the mayor's wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's fantastic. That number they give her is so funny about her not knowing that he's gay and like oh, yeah. they're just focusing on everything in this house that is just like gay chotch. It's just like two guys that are wrestling. Yes. Just <laughs> it Greco- was so good. Just Greco-Roman wrestling. Just grappling exactly. another man sans clothing. It's- yes, yes. Nothing's Ooh. wrong though. Yeah, yeah, so there's lots of like tips of the hat to all of these different musicals and, and what a cool weird idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was interesting. I read that the idea was something that uh, that that Senko had for like twenty years. He was saying like, "Well, what if the two hikers in an American Werewolf in London, instead of like ending up in a horror movie, if they ended up in a musical?" Which is oh. just such a weird idea. But that's how genius um, weird things are made. And then one yeah. day you're like, "Yeah, I think it'll. I think I'm gonna actually try this." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, and I mean, what great choices for for leads for Cicely Strong and Keegan Michael Key? Because I mean, Cicely Strong obviously she loves to sing. <laughs> I mean, right. like, there's hardly an episode of SNL that goes by where she doesn't do a number of some kind. And you know, she's obviously like a big musical theater geek herself um and and keegan michael key he's he's definitely got uh, musical talent as, as well we saw that a lot on key and peel so i mean it, i think i think it's great it's a great team up between the two of them yeah i also liked how 
uh, his character Josh plays somebody who doesn't like musicals. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there there does there does seem to be like a lot of those people who just like flat out hate musicals, like with a, a fiery passion, which I, I never got. So for him to sort of play that character, he's kind of, he's kind of playing against type a little bit. I felt yeah, like he, he he said on like some of his talk show appearances promoting this that he had to like <laughs> be directed like a few times. Like he he found himself like sort of tapping along because he doesn't really participate in many of the musical numbers until the very end. Uh, right. But he, they were like, "No, Keegan, you don't like musicals. You can't, you can't sing along. <laughs> you can't be like you fight, you know, fight it, fight the urge. You can't be man. bopping your head." Yeah, and I love him. This. He's uh he's one of my faves. Yeah, no, he's he's a oh, lovable yeah. guy. That's why I thought it was like so against type because he's usually playing like because he's such a likable guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to say the character Josh was totally unlikable, but he definitely, he definitely did like some kind of things that were kind of dickish. And maybe I thought, yeah. well, I mean, well, maybe that's the thought behind somebody like Ian being cast in it. Because yeah. it's like if you cast somebody else who doesn't have sort of a baseline of of natural heart and likability to them, it could tip too far in the other direction, and then the cynicism comes in. So yeah. I wonder if that's what the thought was behind it. Is we need a guy to be the heavy in this. And to be the hater, but you can't go so far hate, or it tips the scales too dark. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean he doesn't. He doesn't like outright hate musicals. He just seems like indifferent to them at best. And I, I did kind of identify with him. Like in the first episode, they think they've just stumbled into this tourist trap where everyone's singing, and they think it's like a group of performers. And and at one point, like the 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 mayor, played by Alan Cumming, the great Alan Cumming, approaches. Him and he's like, oh, okay, no, please don't do this. Let's not. And I so identify with that because I, I love, I love theater. I love seeing shows, but I don't like it when I see a show where everyone's in character and then they interact with the audience. Just because I find that oh, embarrassing God, for yeah. everyone involved. No, um, I know. You know where, where you know you're seeing like the the mystery of Edwin Drood, and someone comes up and he's like, "Hello, Governor, I'm your faithful <laughs> uh, chimney sweep." And, you know, and you I'm know. just like, oh, "Oh, and now I have to have a fake conversation <laughs> with you." And As sometimes, somebody like, who's I'm, had to play those roles too much in my life, I feel yeah. your pain. I hate being on the receiving end of someone breaking the fourth wall. It's like, oh God, please. Like if you've ever seen cats and they like come up to you in the aisle and you're like, I want to just walk into traffic right now, which I do wonder now, the one good thing that could come from COVID is that audience interaction will stop. (laughs) We did it. We did it, you guys. I'm not saying that I released this disease specifically to stop (laughs) audience participation. I'm just saying. I'm I'm not not saying. I'm not not saying it. I, yeah. I need my it, lawyer present. It still <laughs> rarely works, I think. And and it's also extra uncomfortable if you know some of the people in the show, but they're talking to you and they're not breaking character and you're just like, Fred, I know it's you, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're like, leave me alone. I have my $16 Chardonnay that I'm drinking and sitting here in this theater. Just move along and let's tell the story. <laughs> I think about the only time I've I've enjoyed that was when I've, seen productions of cabaret where they've had the kick cat dancers because you know women in lingerie but hey what can you do yeah yeah but other another show that... i did <laughs> oh. oh yeah 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 i did ah. cabaret i've done a couple different productions of it it's the yeah 
But oh, I yeah. blessedly, I was so I was like the curmudgeony Kit Kat girl. At least that's uh -huh. the choice that I made. So I never interacted with anybody. I just <laughs> sat on stage and looked like I was just coked out of my mind. See, and, there you, you know, go. Yeah, I made a choice. My choice involved no one else. Best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. That's a choice. Everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, I saw wow. I saw a prediction of that where they, they had the, the Kit Kat dancers they had. I think they had Polaroid cameras so that you could like take pictures with them. I oh. mean, even though that's like totally out of the timeline because it, it takes place before World War II. But <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> well, it would be weird to have flash pots at everybody's table. It would be very yeah. like fire hazards, people, you know, lighting their hair up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Complicated. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But I, yeah, I thought that was fun. And I, yeah, and Keegan is a likable and charming enough guy that you don't, dislike him for being down on the musicals or for having problems i i like that both josh and melissa they had their own they had their good they each had their good points and they had their flaws and i i like that they were both flawed characters yeah 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 absolutely i'd, I'd go with that um but what I, I love is the sincerity of it ultimately mm -hmm. like and that was something that i remember from bubble boy is that everything is heightened and stylized and if you're smart about how you perform it, you don't do it with an ounce of commentary on it. You have to do it, it, it like this is my reality of what I'm playing. It's like Kristen Chenoweth's right. character is so over the top, but she is so grounded and honest in what she believes and says and thinks and does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what yeah. makes everything work. Yeah, yeah. Kristen Chenoweth, I thought, was a, a really good in this. Like her character, Mildred Layton. Who is like yeah. the head of Mothers Against the Future? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, so you're Laugh. against the passage of time. <laughs> She's like, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yes, I am. Yeah, and um, I like I like how like when she first meets uh Josh and Melissa, she says, Oh, what a unusual and exotic couple the two of you are. Right. <laughs> and and when they check into the town in they don't because of the town ordinance. They are not allowed to get a room together because they're not married, so they have right. to get two rooms. But it, thankfully, it only costs a dollar because Schmigadoon is somewhere in 1910. So I like I those it. prices. I like those prices exactly. Yeah, and uh, as far as SNL goes, we also get uh, uh, Fred Armisen as Mildred's husband, uh, Reverend Howard uh, Layton, who I, I thought he did a good job in here in, in this in this show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, as far as songs goes, like, did anybody have any like, favorite songs that really got their, their toes to tapping? I thought, like, I thought uh, watching this, I think the songs were really the strongest part throughout. I really enjoyed some of the stuff. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, guys, corn pudding. I mean. Corn pudding. <laughs> but the best to me, I mean, I loved Christian Chenoweth's big, like, Tribute the tribulate I think it's called tribulations. It's like yes. a, a tip of the hat to Trouble in River City, from right? From Music, music Man. Man, obviously. Yeah. What you have to appreciate from that, from a like a cinematographical, I, I don't. I'm suddenly like <laughs> trying to use words that are bigger than my knowledge of anything. Use no, a, from a cinemagra cinematographic point of view is that it's one long shot. Uh -huh. I don't know if you noticed this. Go back and watch it. I don't. I think maybe there's one single cut in there, maybe, but it's mm. all of these tracking shots, and it just follows Kristen Chenoweth 
And what, what I love about it is that that is a huge tribute to musical theater where you're like, in live performance, you don't get a do-over. You get one right. shot at doing it. Mm. So they, it's almost like they're paying a tribute to musical theater where it's like, once the song starts, the train has left the station. And if you mess up, you got to keep going. Now, mm -hmm. they can go back and run this thing a million times and reset it. But they in like the homage to being like, we're going to go through this whole number top to bottom together and you're going to come along for the ride. It was so beautifully staged and shot. And uh, Chris Catelli, who I, I know Chris Catelli, he's a, the choreographer. He did an awesome job. It was just <laughs> like, there was a guy, at one point Mildred throws a Bible up in the air and there's a guy behind her who has to catch it. And as soon as he did that, I turned to my husband and I said, if I was that guy who had to catch that Bible, I would shit myself. <laughs> you would think he's like halfway through the song and he's like, if you don't catch this Bible, they're going to have to stop this whole thing and start right. back at one. Right. So I appreciated everybody in that number for hitting exact marks because I would wet myself. Um, <laughs> and the other number I loved was the bridge going over the bridge, because oh, if you uh -huh. go back and listen to the lyrics of it, the things yeah. the women say are so funny. It's, it's so the, the lyrics of it are hysterical Everything is so light and like bouncy and buoyant. Uh, right. But the one I like that is a nice uh, shift is the double duet when the two different couples find their what they think is their new love. Right. Oh, uh, and, and the, yeah, the way they shot that was very interesting too because <clears throat> they make it look like an old fashioned split screen, but then the characters cross over from one side of the screen to the other. So you realize, like, oh, this is all on one set. And they're just making it look like a split screen. Yeah, really that, cute. Yeah, that was that was really cool. I thought that was uh, that surprised me. Uh, yeah, I mean they got some strong stuff in here. I, like I said, the corn. I don't know why corn pudding puts a smile on my face. It kind of, <laughs> I, I don't. It kind of reminds me of a song I would have heard in like a mighty wind. Maybe I don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, corn, corn pudding, corn pudding. Um, like the dumbest thing that they could possibly ever sing about. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's it's just when the characters, they're just new in town. They're there the next morning and they're like, OK, well, what should we order at the local restaurant? And they're like, well, we've got a special on Gordon Pudding. And it starts this whole musical number. And and uh, uh, Josh in particular is just like, oh, OK, well, you know, hey, can we just skip past this? We just want to order some food. <laughs> yeah. And I also like that in the beginning of the series, whenever a song would start, they would comment and be like, oh, God, no, please, not a song, not this, not that. But then they kind of let that go. Right. That like device of, of being like, oh, geez, here comes a song. You know, you can it get away get with doing little... that a couple times, but it would get yeah. tired if they were constantly commenting on that. Yeah. So I like that they, tiresome. yeah, they went into step with like, okay, now we're accepting that this guy is going to sing to me or whatever, except for the dream ballet girl, which I did laugh at. <laughs> I was like, okay, she came up later, but I love that she stopped this girl from doing a dream ballet. Yeah. Yeah. She was just like, no, dream ballets always suck. They're, they're pointless. They just add time. I don't and then the time. lights come on and she creepy walks away. I'm just like, all right, that's good. Yeah. yeah I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't, I mean, I knew of dream ballet, but I didn't know it was called dream ballet. And I guess I was like, oh, does everybody hate dream ballets? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They show up in Oklahoma. There's one in Oklahoma that's the most famous dream ballet. 
and you're like, I remember I did Oklahoma and I was like, great, this is my chance to smoke a cigarette for like 30 minutes. <laughs> it was such a long dream ballet. A 30-minute dream ballet? Oh, my God. It felt like 30 minutes. Cripes. I was like, I am sitting in a very uncomfortable costume. If you guys could dance faster, that would be lovely. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it's a long dream ballet. So there's a tribute to Oklahoma right there. Okay. And the uh, the basket when they were bidding on the baskets, that's a tribute to Oklahoma. Oh, okay. yeah. In this, in the second episode, they have a basket auction, which is you, you bid on the basket you like the best. And then you are matched with the woman who made that basket. Mm-hmm. So, right. Entirely and, what happened in Oklahoma. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and Josh, because this is after uh, Josh, and Melissa, the decide because they can't get out of town because apparently they are not true love. Um, so they decide to break up and then they both investigate other possibilities with the townsfolk. And Josh matches up with the young lady that uh, Doug Cameron's playing. Uh, Betsy, <laughs> Betsy, Betsy Madonna. Betsy, yeah. And, and they go out into like the woods in in the town. And and by the way, all the sets in Schmigadoon are just wonderfully fake, which I just loved. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then, and, and, Throughout his his date with Betsy, there are just hints that she's like remarkably young. <laughs> she never, never nails down what her age is. She's like, "Oh, hey, over here's the tree that my dad my daddy planted when I was born," and you, it's just like this skinny little tree. It's like a foot off the ground. <laughs> right, right. Oh and he's like, "Oh no, that's not good. This is <laughs> this is." This is, uh, yeah, this is something I could get arrested for here. I think you could be 15. Oh, that's what uh, Cecily Strong's character says at some point. She was like, you've seen all of these musicals. They're playing, they're 15, but they're really 25. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She specifically calls out in Sound of Music, uh, 16 going on 17. She's she's actually 29 if she's a dad. (laughs) Right. And then I think they also, they had her looking at, um, like Cecily Strong's character was looking at uh, Betsy as she was showing off the ring to everybody else, and they were all giggling, saying, "Oh, he's a doctor." And then I believe Melissa says, "Oh, women were so underwritten in early musicals." Yes, mm-hmm. so good. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the sound of music reference made me immediately flash on the sketch that Cecily Strong did with John Mulaney a few years ago, oh, where they right. did a whole sixteen going on seventeen parody, and John Mulaney's character is like, "Well, actually, I'm thirty-three." <laughs> and his his age keeps inching up throughout the number um so yeah so i i have a feeling that's probably a favorite of, of cecily strong's yeah, yeah. Oh, well it's uh, like in greece everybody in the musical greece of the movie you're like right. oh my god Docker channing was 58 playing a 16 year old <laughs> exactly which yeah, we exactly. talk about on on dear pod all the time dear pod right. we talk we're like obsessed with with people anachronisms and things like that, especially in the eighties, it's me and my co-host Patty O'Brien. We're obsessed with things that were so wrong in the eighties that we just sort of went, ah, it is what it is. Right. All of these people are playing high school students and it's like, but you belong to AARP. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you just got in with a senior discount, not a high school discount. You're a man of a certain age. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god you've got six you've got like 10 o'clock shadow you think you're 13 
Yeah, I oh mean, God. why does this this high school freshman have crow's feet? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and Crohn's disease. I don't get it. <laughs> You're so old, my God. Oh, I saw Gabriel. Almost fire. Yeah, I saw Gabriel (laughs) Carteris have dinner at four in the afternoon. Oh Oh my God, Gabriel! God bless her. Even she was like, "I'll be over here. Tell me when the kids are done playing. (laughs) I'll be eating cigarettes in the corner, (laughs) looking at my four hundred one k." Oh, shout out to Gabriel Carteris! Wow. Good for yes, uh, president of Screen Actors Guild. Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, I don't. What, what other songs did you guys get a kick out of? I mean, I, I enjoyed. Um, you know, "Lovers Spat" was a, was another mm-hmm. one that was a favorite was a uh, favorite of mine. Uh, I like the one that um, you know, the town rapscallion Danny Bailey sang. You can't tame me. I like. There was this one point where um, he sings a song and he's singing to Melissa about how, you know, it would be nice if they got married and had kids, two girls for you and two boys for me. And then Melissa jumps in and says, well, shouldn't all the kids be for both of us? Yeah. Like, why? (laughs) There was, I think one of my favorite moments was him busting into the song about her being pregnant. And she kept being like, no, I have an IUD. This isn't, I'm not pregnant. And that he just gets so lost in, but if I have a girl, and that she just walks out and lets him keep singing. Right. Yes. It's right. just one of my favorite moments. She's like, I'm just gonna this isn't I'm just gonna walk away. You you yeah. can keep going. I'll bring some bacon with me, but oh god. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> like I said, I'll have to do I'll have to do whatever I can to get money. I'll have to steal it. I'll have to rob. I'll have to pilfer. And she says, Yeah, those are all mean the same thing. You don't right. need to. <laughs> but it's such a good song. He's such he's a crazy talented singer. He's really good. Yeah, I was very impressed with him. I wish his his character could have carried through like more of the show. He's just kind of in the beginning and then he kind of drops away and then shows up again at the end. Yeah. But I, I read that the, the show was originally going to be an eight episode series, but they cut it down to six, I guess, because like they were shooting this, of course, in the middle of COVID. So oh. maybe that's why they cut it back to six. I don't know yeah. exactly why that happened, but maybe that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, or I mean, I like this six um, episode thing that I feel like a lot of shows are doing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and shows they tend to be shorter nowadays. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems like we're going more towards like the British model, where you just have like a limited number of episodes per season, and then they it just shows up every couple of years. So we don't. Have, yeah, like, like um, The Undoing on HBO, mm-hmm. uh, Queen's Gambit. I think both of those were six episodes. And it's oh, almost okay. like, I like these things that aren't trying to get multiple seasons out of it. It's like, we're going to take more than a movie's length to tell you a story, but right. we're going to take less than three seasons to finish it up. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind mm-hmm. this like six episode model of like, we're going to hit it and quit it. And if it comes back again, it's going to be an entirely different thing. Right. right. I mean, I, I will say that's the, I mean, that that does seem to be the way everything's going as far as shows go. Like, uh, I know Stranger Things was like only eight episodes a season, so you could just kind of knock it out pretty quickly. But I will say that's that's the one thing I kind of wish uh, happened in this uh, show where I, it like the, like uh, Trumbull said, it was supposed to be eight episodes. I kind of wish it was eight episodes just because it felt like it kind of, I don't know, it kind of, they kind of sped through it on certain areas. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of wish they had like kind of more time and more episodes to let 
uh, the show breathe and maybe give more backstory and stuff to all the characters. Like I felt like it kind of was over a little too quickly in certain places. Hmm. Like in uh, that one episode where Josh uh, in the beginning meets Emma and like, you know, she says like, I'll, 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 I won't have any of you, sir. And like by the end of the episode, she's like totally in love with him. Like, I don't know if that's maybe a commentary on like most musicals, how quickly they fall in love in most musicals or, Maybe they had to shorten it because of COVID or whatnot, but uh, part of me. I don't know. I kind of want to ask now. I'll I'll do the reach out. I'm just curious. Yeah, I just just found an article where they're they're talking about the order being chopped. They said it happened for various reasons. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, they said, you know, one of the people, they could only get Jane Krakowski for a few days. So she's. She's like just very in and out of the show. I think she's just in like one of the episodes, right. and she's yeah. playing a character very much like uh, the Baroness in uh, Sound of Music, right? Now. Yeah, she's, which I think she's is the other so woman. funny. Yeah, yeah, how they they basically are like, oh, you've come in and changed my whole life, but I'm okay with it. Oh, and it's mm-hmm. true. It's like that's exactly the Baroness is just sort of like, well, you're in love, I guess. Even though we were supposed to be married, I think I'll just go now and I'll be fine. I'll just graciously step aside. <laughs> yeah, yes. and it was yeah. so funny. I mean, she comes from musical theater too, so I love that they gave her this big sort of body, like fun Jane Krakowski vibe and number. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she just like comes in, hits it, and quits it. I mean, some characters you're like, that's exactly what the character would be like in musical theater. These people yeah. that get dropped yeah. in and they just do this one bombshell number and then you never see them again. So it's like, I think, I don't, I didn't mind the six episodes for that. It's almost like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to move along. And it's like, it's funny to me that Martin Short only shows up for that one time yeah. just to deliver the most pivotal piece of information, you know? Right. It's like, oh, you right. can't leave unless you're in love. Bye. <laughs> Toodaloo. And, and I'm sure it's like a combination of necessity, like you could only get him for a day. I mean, this thing is chock full of stars. Yeah. Now, apparently, uh, it looks like that uh, the character Danny, the town rapscallion, uh, there was an axe subplot that was going to be in the two additional episodes. It says, originally, Danny and his shady friend were looking for knives so they could rob Josh and get the money Danny thought he needed in order to build a life with Melissa. It was a whole thing. Oh, Okay. So that's why okay. his character just kind of disappeared. So apparently he would have carried through a little more if we'd had the, uh, the eight episodes. But uh, That's interesting. He's a real mm-hmm. no good Nick, I tell you. I know he is. And he's got the high-waisted pants to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like at his costuming. navel. Oh, my God. It was so good, though. It started like at up, the bottom like, of his <gasps> rib cage. Yes, it was perfect. Whoever costumed it and did like the makeup design, the hair design, the costumes, the, the set, everything was so mm-hmm. on point, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the I know the production designer was Bo Welch, who I, I know from some movies he's designed. He's worked with Tim Burton a lot. I know he Batman Returns oh. was one of his, and you know, he's he's done some other things as well. But yeah, it was really impressive. And, you know, it looks a lot like a classic musical it's it's shot in that very sort of flat artificial way and all the sets yeah. are obviously sets uh which it just made it a lot of fun so fun yeah absolutely uh yeah and i also like there was like a few like i saw a few sort of little you know cute and clever jokes here and there like uh, at the bake sale the multi-faith bake sale mm-hmm. and it's just two tables oh, pres- yeah presbyterian yeah. and methodist Yes, <laughs> I, I I got a kick out of that. 
And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I also like the sort of other subplot where uh, the mayor of the town, played by Alan Cumming, Mayor Aloysius Menlove, is um, a closeted homosexual. And, oh, yeah. And, like, and um, comes to realize Fred, Fred that. Fred Armisen, yeah, the reverend. Yeah. Everybody's suddenly gay. I like that it, I, I also like that subplot of like somebody new, somebody outside is coming in and they're teaching these people more about themselves. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, what's that movie? Uh, Pleasantville, a little bit. Yes, totally. Remember that? Exactly. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Definitely, definitely. And I liked, I liked uh, Alan Cummings' number where I forget the name of the number where he where he just sings at someone's funeral about how he's he's just a homo. Realized that <laughs> he's, he's like a I'm a homosexual. <laughs> and Cecily Strong has a nice number because like she's an OBGYN. And at one point, she discovers uh, one of the townsfolk. She's having a baby out of wedlock, the scandal. <gasps> and Gasp. And uh, her and her fella, they don't know too much uh, technical stuff about how this whole childbirthing thing works. So she she sings a number called Vagina, which is very much like the Doa Deer from Sound of Music. Oh, so funny. That's Only another what... one. It's like every time you guys mention a new song, I'm like, and that one. And I love that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's just filled with clinical sexual terms and just explaining how childbirth works and right. pregnancy works. And then she's a semen. Yes, yes, <laughs> semen. Get and the girl it? in the last episode, when she, well, yeah, when she comes forward for the finale, and she was like, "And I know that I had a baby out of wedlock with semen, and yes, I know how that sounds." <laughs> so good. Vagina. See, like even his sensibility. That's what, like, that's what I'm talking about. Is like his. He's adding enough, um, you know, modern day sort of like funny anachronistic things, but it's it's mm-hmm. delivered in with like peanut butter and jelly. There's Ooh, when right. he's when he puts something in there, it doesn't clank, it doesn't feel harsh, it doesn't feel out of step with anything else that he's created in the world. Right. It's it's just played with like a little bit of irony at times, but not so much that it. It breaks the spell, you know? Yeah, with no edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, there are things, like, where um, Melissa goes over to the uh, the mayor's home, and he's not there, and uh, he talks, she talks to uh, his wife, and he, you know, he's talking, and she says, like, oh, do you know something strange about your husband? And it's like, yeah, I know he's, you know, he's, he's a, qu-. and then the wife sings that song, he's a queer one, that man of mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very sweet <laughs> one. And then, like, you see Melissa looking around, and like we said, looking at all the you know, Greco-Roman statues around. And then Melissa says to herself, this was literally me in high school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like things oh like that. Oh my God. I yeah, I get it. I get it. You were me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this this uh, show has a lot going for it. Like, uh, I enjoy that they had like so much, so many people in who have like a big theater background. Like, um, like the school mom, uh, Emma Tate, based on... Uh, Marion Peru from the music. The librarian. Band. Yep. Yeah. Marion Peru. Did, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marion Peru. Yes, you did. Woo! Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you said, uh, Ariana DeBose, right? Like she, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. She's very talented. She was in the original cast of Hamilton. I mean, that was kind of her biggest claim to fame before this, but crazy talented dancer. She played, I think, the name of, they named her character something like The Bullet or something in Hamilton. She had like a really sort of featured 
ensemble role in mm. it. But yeah, she's um she's great. You can see her in the movie too, which I think is on Disney Plus. Am I right? Uh, Hamilton. So. Yeah, there there is like a film version of Hamilton. Yeah, I remember everybody complaining when it, it like they released that in the beginning of the pandemic. And everybody mm-hmm. was like, what the hell? I have to pay seven bucks to get a Disney membership so I can see Hamilton. I was like, that's better than the $700 <laughs> you'd have to pay to see it live. So suck it up, Buttercup. We're this all inside. True. We're all <laughs> homicidal. You know, take a break from watching serial killer documentaries and pay the seven bucks to see Hamilton. <laughs> I got to pay money for entertainment? No, thank you. No way, man. Good day, sir. I say money good day. Goes- to the artist that created this kind of thing, this is crap. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is this is just as just as uh, flim flam. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, now you're getting into the musical theater thing. I know. I'm, I'm starting to get into it. I love it. Yeah, uh, man. But I, I love that number she had with the um, with the school kids in the in the classroom. I really dug that one. Like where it you was see so all these fun, all these cool kids tap dancing on desks. I was like, oh wow, this is. This is this is really uh this is the hot time of the old time tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's like they had a little bit of everything. You know, they had the love songs and they had the upbeat dance numbers, and then they had the big all skates that was like everybody in the town. You know, it's the corn pudding numbers. You know, right? <laughs> corn pudding, corn. I love corn pudding. I don't. I can't tell you why. <laughs> I actually love corn pudding. The food is that weird? Uh, no. It's, sure I've ever had corn pudding. Wait, is I think that a, it's just cornbread? Is that a thing? Is it? I thought I thought it was more like a pudding type. Well, now we're gonna have to stop this whole podcast until oh, we all Google oh, it. it. Okay, now I'm gonna have to Google corn pudding. You all need right, some Google let's... music, just like a boop boop Okay, corn pudding dish. Siri, what's corn pudding? It's a creamy culinary dish prepared from stewed corn, water, and any of various thickening agents. Ooh, well, I don't like the sound of that. The hell does that um, mean? <laughs> an optional ad- thickening agent. That just sounds very ominous. Oh, I'm gonna a... call that. I'm gonna call my husband a thickening agent from now on and see <laughs> if he enjoys that. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> there. You know what? Mm. I'm not seeing a consensus with the pictures. There are some that where it looks like it's like almost a macaroni and cheese type of thing, and there are some where it looks like cornbread. So oh yeah. Maybe it varies. I can get on board either way. I don't hate a corn uh, product. Absolutely. I was, I was raised in Boston on canned goods, so I appreciate <laughs> something yeah. that's not a green <laughs> vegetable, I guess. Yeah, Chef so I, guess, I guess it can vary from between cream corn and corn bread. Mm. So, okay. Right, okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, we've learned something new today, Look haven't we, yeah, listeners? Yeah. yeah. See, you, we entertain and we teach. I yeah. know it's it's edu- edutainment. Thank yeah, you're that's welcome, right. listeners, and it's free. That's, that's <laughs> what we're always striving for. Absolutely. And uh, while we're giving you know flowers to some of the cast members, I love the kid that plays Carson, the the uh-huh. little kid with the speech, oh, yeah. with the lisp, like, and they have him. He's kind of like a town crier, and like they have him like get right in front of the camera, and it's like it's the mayor before the mayor says something or I don't know. I got a kick out of that too. He's, he's like, I just like that he can go in. Anywhere, anybody's house, anybody's business, yeah, anyone's at, at establishment. One point, like, yeah, Melissa Cicely Strong's character just goes, so he can just walk in anywhere at any time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has the run of the joint. Yeah, like, and so- he's based on a character from Music Man too. So it almost seems right. like Josh is more in the Music Man world, and Melissa seems to be more in the Sound of Music world. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, okay. and except well, they do have like a shall we dance moment where she dances with the doctor. So she falls in love. What she thinks is falls in love with somebody else from the town. The the doctor who turns out to be a veterinarian. One of my favorite scenes is all of them <laughs> confessing truth about themselves. <laughs> the guy who's like, I hurt myself to get attention. <laughs> yeah, I yes. like I like how Betsy says, I'm pretty sure I'm a socialist. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. The things they admit are just so good. I would have so much fun in that writing room being like, what do you want to step forward and admit about yourself? Yeah. It'd be pretty... fun to do. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and the doctor was played by uh, Jaime Camille, who was, uh, I know he was in Jane the Virgin, and he plays Doc Jorge Lopez, the uh, attractive but judgmental widow doctor. But one of the best facial hairs I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god! He's a very impressive beard. It's that his is. beard game is strong. On yeah. point. It is oiled. It is sculpted. His hair is perfect. He's he's got that little curly cue thing going on with the mustache. Mm-hmm. You know. And I, I like that his mother was the one to deliver the truth about love. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. I really dug that part too. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, cause like at, you know, towards the end of the sh- uh, the show, like uh, Melissa was talking to the mother, saying her, you know, her doubts and concerns about love is like, I think I love Josh, but there are times where I just, you know, don't know if I love him. And it's like, there's this thing we, and they they basically said like, love is something you sort of choose to believe in. So like the doubts Mm -hmm. and everything you have is part of love, which I was like, Oh, that's that's pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. I wept through most of the finale of this. Yes. Maybe I'm PMSing and so be it. (laughs) And maybe I'm highly emotional and maybe it's the fact that we're about to get a hurricane and I'm sensing weather. It could be a lot of different things because yeah, usually sure. I'm dead inside, you know. Right, right of course. But you're you're I, a comedian. I've had all my, I know. I was like, I've had my feelings hammered out of me years ago growing up in Boston. As but well you should. I, and I had to write to, I wrote to Cinco today and I was like, I just want you to know you made my Grinch heart grow three sizes this day because I wept through half of that finale. I wow. I could see that, like the scene where um, Josh finally sings. That's that's a that was a really tender uh, scene. Like I thought, yeah, I thought and like, they the, didn't make it funny. They didn't try to like add anything to it. It's like, okay, this is your most honest, earnest, open moment in the show. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah, that's true. They they did play it with sincerity. Yeah, right. and that's like the only time he sings in the show. And, and and yeah, the show does have some real romantic moments. There was there was one moment that really got to me was like we we start out with a flashback with where Melissa and Josh's first meeting, where Melissa's trying to get a candy bar out of a vending machine and she can't do it. And they they both work at the same hospital. And Josh comes by and he's like, "I it helps me when I kick it." And she kicks it, and then all everything in the vending machine starts falling out of the vending machine. Oh. And then later we see a flashback to uh, their one-year anniversary. And uh, Melissa gives this heartfelt speech about everything Josh means to her and all that. And he just is like, I I feel the same. And she's like, oh, really? I pour my heart out and you just say ditto and that's it. (laughs) And then a a waitress comes by and she's like, would you like to see the dessert cart? And she opens up the, uh, uh, she takes the lid off. The, the tray that she has, and it's just filled with all the vending machine type candy. And I thought, that's a really sweet romantic moment. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Even though I'm dead inside, that, that got yes. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Am well, I the only the one podcast. alive? 
Am I the no, only you're one not, alive? Darren. Oh. Nope, you're dead inside too. Trust hey, me. This is how I find yeah. out. Wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. All well. it took was episode one fifty one. Well, all yeah. right. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I would have thought that the fact that you became a stand-up comedian was a big hint. <laughs> I <laughs> totally went over my. I should have caught that, but I didn't. Totally went over yeah. my. Let head. me tell you what. Nobody is is stand-up who uh, everything went well for. Like, I'm not here because everything went right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I remember, like, shortly after I got into stand-up, telling one of my friends, like, this is not a sign that things are going well for me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's almost like when women at a certain age lose their mind and they get a pixie cut, a really short haircut. It's a sign that they're about to have an emotional breakdown. (laughs) On a bathroom floor. So that's just, yeah. That seems oh. specific. <laughs> I know it does, doesn't it? It's, it's not even me. That's the weird. I'm like, is this every friend that I've ever had? Aaron, uh, I feel like I have to ask as a friend, what what's your hair looking like right now? My hair is longer. I'm going the okay. other direction. So okay, I'm doing so, okay. No, so no I will no not pixie, pixie cut, cut myself. No, oh, I can't queer. pull it off. Because then right. people would definitely be like, get that 13-year-old boy off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here, Carson. What I like about the concept, like the structure of the show, if I may say so, Mm -hmm. uh, is that we always start with uh, a flashback. But I I even love the card that's like four years, three months before Schmigadoon. And and you see where they were, whether it's a good or a bad experience so that you have this like template of knowledge for who they are, where they came from. But it's, it's like, slowly doled out to you over the course of the episodes and then it ties it up so nice and neat at the end where you see you know right before he's about to cross over the bridge with emma and Mm -hmm. he thinks that oh god you know you know he has those second guesses about whether or not he should be going over this bridge with her and that she's like is there the kid i think it's the boy asks is there candy in new york and you know then he flashes back to melissa hitting the the vending machine and all the candy coming out. So, you know, it's like all those, those cool tie backs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like those flashbacks because you see both the good things about the relationship and, and the problems that they have. Yeah. And, and that when like suddenly it... this like deus ex machina that is, uh, the, the mother of the doctor is suddenly mm-hmm. the one that's like, Oh, what you just described is love. That's all it is. It's good. And it, and it's bad. And it's all of the, all of the above. And why mm-hmm, can't it be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that and, was when and, I lost my mind crying in my living room. Just oh, yeah, and I like at the end, this is, I suppose, a bit of a spoiler. Like, Melissa comes to the realization that they both need to change. Like, she, like all this time she was assuming Josh was just the one who needed to change and that all their problems originated with him. And then she was like, oh, no, wait, maybe I have kind of unrealistic expectations too. And I like, I like that they both had to change and meet in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's nice. Yeah. People go on a hero's journey all together and mm-hmm. everybody in the town is changed. Right. At like, the end of it. Yeah. Like at the end we hear, um, I mean, a lot of people sort of admit their truths. Uh, we have imitated admitting that because we're in, in the show, we're introduced at, to Carson as, uh, Emma Tate's the school mom's, uh, brother. But then towards the end of the show, we learned that, oh no, that he's actually my son. She says to Josh, which is dun, like a, dun, dun. Yeah, I know. Gasp! Yeah. Is that is that El from a musical? Is that from a musical or is that something? That, that, that e- 
that a child is is discovered as being the actual no i don't think so that's nothing's coming to mind but that doesn't mean that it's not the case just nothing in my brain this is when i need my husband who is he's he is schmigadoon (laughs) (laughs) somebody said they were like you know you your husband is the actual town of schmigadoon i'm like yes he actually is he's that guy so you're mrs schmigadoon is that what you're saying? I'm more Josh. I, I, it was funny watching it because he's like, Keegan Michael Key is you, and you know, having come up in the world of musical theater, but then been like, I've always had my feet in both worlds. I've always been half in comedy and half in theater. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing stand up, there was a tipping point where you're like, okay, all in. So since I've done that, I see I have a lot more tarnished view. Just <laughs> I'm just more cynical, I think. And he he's like, that's you. That's your character right there. But I'm like, he is the character of the whole town. He's, you know, bright and sunny. And he's that guy that would wear a hat and be like, let me sing you a song. Make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> I mean, Gary, you're a fan of the pod. You hear me just ripping it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You always put impression of him. I yeah. You, why don't you talk about your husband? I was like, he sounds like a delight. I'd love to meet he's up with that. He's a love. He's let a the, sweetheart. Let to meet I'd up like with to that. Hang out with him. Yeah, let's yeah. meet up with that gent at the at the malt shop and have a sarsaparilla. That's it. He is this guy. My husband, in my interpretation of him, is like a guy who delivers papers to you in the twenties. You know, he sort of stands on a corner with a little pork pie hat and he knows everybody in town and he kisses all the babies and he, he's just like, hi, mister. Get you a paper for the day. Like, that's what I hear. That's how I hear my husband. And it's, it's just, it's like bled into all of our friends wow. too. So whenever we hang out, the first thing they always do is they're like, oh, hi, I'm Jim. <laughs> Whoa. Well, so... hey there, mister. Well, hey there, Jimmy. What do you say? What do you know? And then I sound like I'm from I'm a news reporter from 1940. So the two of us together, it's like it's like dialect workshop in our house. <laughs> it's a lot of a it's a lot of like different eras coming at you, and none of them are from this era. So I love it. like a never ending stream of the front page or something like that. <laughs> exactly. It's like oh wow, you guys. Nobody ever made it out of black and white in this house. You know? <laughs> Why are you still in the talkies? <laughs> Why do you all talk like John Mulaney? <laughs> that's exactly it. I was that's he's one of my favorite comedians, partially because of that. I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. When he talks about what he drinks as a kid, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, John Mulaney's dope. We, we love him here. We we love John Mulaney. We're big John Mulaney fans here. Yeah, he's one of my favorite comedians, hands down. I wish I could have seen him at City Winery. Literally sold out in like a millisecond. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think he's still touring. I think he's doing a show in Boston pretty soon, and like oh. um, a few other places. It'll be a special home. eventually. <laughs> yeah, I will catch it when it's on Netflix. Yeah, and we'll yeah. talk about it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's like so towards like uh, since we're getting towards the end of this uh, this show. Um, yeah, I did notice. Like, I really loved how it had that. Um, that song that Josh finally sings, very tender song, and then they go into this kind of more modern sounding musical song at the end, like you know, this is how we change or changes. I believe mm-hmm. it's called. It definitely had. It sounded like something out of maybe Hamilton or Rent. And it was like it definitely had like a different tone to it than the other songs throughout the show, which I really 
like it really yeah, a little stu- more poppy. Yeah, that's how it really stood out for me. I was like, oh wow, they're just switching things up here. Yeah, at that point, I was in a full-on ugly cry, so I can't give you details on what that song was. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, when you get like gas cry, <laughs> it all looked blurry through your tears. Yeah, I, I was like trying to try to like get the cry out, but trying to stifle it at the same time. Like I was, I was alone at home, and I'm embarrassed. It's by just <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It went donkey cry at one point. Oh wow! I I got really into it. I loved their show. Sounded like my Jerry Seinfeld impression. (laughs) And it all comes full circle. All comes full circle. There we go. Way to tie it all up together. That's called the callback, kids. That's what we say in the biz. That's that's the terminology. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's what they call it in the biz. You see. Oh. All I do is callback now. I just want to do one special that's just all callbacks and have sure. no frame of reference. You just yeah. <laughs> you don't establish anything. You're just calling back to things in like a previous yeah. special. But then I'll do my first special will be all setups. There you nice. go. There you go. And then the second one will be all callbacks. It's conceptual. I like it. And yeah, at least it them is. three I'm... years apart. Exactly. Wow. So people will just be dying to hear by like. 2032 i'm just gonna all of the punchlines are gonna come in right wow so uh, setups callbacks punchlines three specials right there an hour each there you you just blew my mind (laughs) (laughs) every part of the buffalo right there (laughs) exactly the breakdown of the joke it goes over the course of a 10 10 to 15 year range very i'm sure netflix will want it i'm sure (laughs) sit by the phone they're gonna call any minute (laughs) I know. That's why I'm still rehearsing Bubble Boy too. All <laughs> call back, call back. <laughs> <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Uh, yeah. So then, as you know, at the end of this uh, show, we have uh, Melissa and Josh. They made up. They sing the Changes song, which is a really beautiful, sweeping song. And then it's the two of them at the foot of the bridge, and they look at each other. They look at all mm-hmm. the friends they've made in Schmigadoon, and they walk towards the bridge. And then that's it. It cuts off and. So it kind of ends. Yeah, we don't kinda, we don't see whether or not they made it. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they kind of did that just in case they get renewed for a season two, and mm-hmm. like I guess they figured yeah. maybe if they didn't, they ended on a note where it's it could it can hold its own as a like a one off thing. I wonder I if guess. they would get a season two. Has there been anything online about that? I, I was seeing on the um, the Wikipedia page for the show. Uh, apparently, Cinco Paul said that. Like he did have like a multi-season idea, or yeah, he said Ooh. like his concept for the show involves more than than one season. So I guess if well, then I'm definitely I, available. If there's <laughs> a season two, um, I guess they will have more problems that prevent them from getting true love. And if this is all there is, then they achieve true love and they have all their problems and everything. I like it. He left it open just enough. For yep. you to make the decision, mm. got to give you a little wiggle room. Mm-hmm. I like it, and uh, yeah, and then that's the show, guys. Uh, so, just overall, what did you guys think of it, um, Aaron? What are your thoughts on the show overall? What, you know, what, what, what do you had to come away with this? Uh, I'm partial because I know some people in there, ah, <laughs> but I thought it was. Fa- I mean, like taking the partiality out of it. Honest to God, I thought it was so sweet and charming, and a love letter to music theater. While 
pulling in comedy with a lot of heart, which I think, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't really like talk to, I don't think I've ever met Ken, but mm -hmm. having spent time with Cinco can say that that's how I think he functions. And that's where I think he's so successful and why I think there's not a lot of people who do what he can do, which is to have a lot of heart without there being excessive cheese somehow, even in <clears throat> the device of musical theater, which mm -hmm. can be 100% cheesy. I don't know how he pulls that off all the time, but he does. And I just think it was a blast to watch beginning to end. It was, it's very bingeable. Every episode's only a half hour. You get so invested in all of the characters. It's so well cast and it's just bubbly good fun. Highly recommend two thumbs up. Ooh. All right. Uh, John, what do you think? Of, what do you think of us? I mean, well, I mean, look, I, I, I love Cecily Strong. I love Keegan Michael Key. So I was, I was prepared to love this right from the word go. Um, I thought, both of them did a great job. I, I thought it was I thought it was really good. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, who I don't think we've mentioned yet, who directed. Oh right! Like, oh yeah! Um, the great Barry you know, Sonnenfeld. He, I mean, he's done a number of things that I'm very fond of. Um, you know, he's he's a very funny director. Uh, you know, he's done Men in Black, the Adams Family movies. Uh, he did the. Uh, I know he did the pilot episode of the old uh, Tick uh, TV show from like 20 years back. Um, and uh, other things like uh, get short. <laughs> no. You guys have Wikipedia. You can figure it out. We yeah. do, but that involves Don typing. No, uh, I I liked it. I think I might have enjoyed it a little more if I didn't binge it. If I had a little space between the episodes, I think doing all six in one session the way I just did it. Oh, you it, did it, that. And maybe it's a little much. I, I think I would have liked a little space between the, the various episodes, but that's not mm. any sort of criticism. I think it's just, you know, a, a little musical can go a long way, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think if I'd been in the situation that Melissa and Josh are in, it would have been really cool for like the first two hours. And then after that, I would be like, get me the F out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um but but I liked it. It had it had a lot of wit to it, and the, the songs are good. The musical numbers are, and the dancing, and the choreography, it's good. The, I mean, it's visually it's great with the costumes and the sets and the and the makeup ups and the you know the hey kids let's put on a show. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I I could have done with a little more Martin Short. I could have done with a little more of uh, Aaron uh, Develt as as Danny. Could have done with a little more Jane Krakowski. But uh, you know, other than that, I, I really liked it. It was it's very well done. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree with you too. Uh, I mean, like you said, when we brought up that uh, the show was happening and Cecily Strong's in it, just right off the jump, we were like, "Oh, this is something we're gonna dig" because we love Cecily like, Strong. You had me at Cecily Strong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know she has a love for musicals, and I also noticed that um, she did. She did have a dog in this show too, because we all know Cecily Strong she loves. She did have a bit where she's like cuddling with a doggy, and yeah, yeah. We, Is like, that a thing of hers? She uh, like in pretty much every opening of SNL that she's done, you see her with her dog uh, Lucy, who I, I forget what breed the dog is, but oh, it's it's so adorable. And she's had like several sketches where it is just basically her playing with dogs. Yeah. I once oh. commented on her Instagram. I was like, you know, if they rebranded Saturday Night Live, it's just like 90 minutes of 
Cecily Strong playing with pups. I would be totally there for that. And she was like, yes, yeah. so would I. Yeah. So Cecily Strong loves dogs. She loves her some she dogs. She loves the doggies. Uh, Amen. But yeah, like I, I think I feel the same way uh, you guys felt about it. I really enjoyed this. It's really sweet and enjoyable. Like the production was top notch. Some fantastic dancing. Some fantastic singing in it. I do kind of wish it was a little bit longer. Like, um, like mm-hmm. John, you said it was supposed to be eight episodes. I think, like if it was eight episodes, it would have you know benefited from it and it would have been more like kind of flushed out a little bit. Yeah, more, like, I think the I think the story like it it. It goes in like kind of fits and starts at times. Like, you know, there are some right. characters who just suddenly appear and some characters who just suddenly disappear. I wish that more of the characters had kind of carried through throughout. But right. Like, I think like Danny I mean, Bailey's character. Like, yeah. Like Danny Bailey's character. I think well, I would like to see him in more stuff or a Betsy, yeah. Duff Cameron's character or a Jersey's own Jane Krakowski in more stuff too. I would love mm-hmm. to see that. Who but, I've uh, met, is she Jersey? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, I believe she's from Parsippany, if I'm not mistaken. She had a girl. She got her start at the Barn Theater in uh, in Montville, and I actually met her at the Barn Theater a few years ago. They, Ooh, she was doing nice. a segment on like the Today Show or something like that, where they, and they were interviewing her there. And uh, yeah, and I got to I got to meet her and uh, give her a print of a caricature thing I did of the Cast of Thirty Rock. So she was oh. very nice. Oh, far out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, overall, I thought this was a great show. I highly recommend uh, everybody check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeehaw, yeehaw, <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And uh, yeah, we also put out the word that we were doing this um, episode on our Twitter, and uh, we got a response from um, our good friends at Decomposition Podcast, Brett and Katie, saying that they felt the show was overwhelmingly okay. Great cast, fun pre- premise, solid musical performances, and Martin Short get, gets billing despite having one line in one episode, which is true. Um, it's like they were trying to seed future seasons while attempting to wrap up a whole series. And I think that kind of comes into play with, with what I said, where, you know, I think it would have benefited more if it had like, you know, eight episodes instead of six. But uh, overall, what they had, I thought was pretty solid. Well, you may well get your wish. Ooh. I just, I just like Who the knows? phrase overwhelmingly okay. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I strive for. Yeah. I can only hope that someone gives me that review someday. Yes. Yeah. I, I hope like, someone. I'm overwhelmed, but yes, I'm. But I'm also kind of. Eh. <laughs> yeah. My friend once got a review that that called him affable, and I have called him that ever since. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Affable. <laughs> affable. That's that's what I strive for. Like I hope somebody yep. says that at my uh, funeral. I'm just trying to aim for the middle. <laughs> right, I yeah. always said aim for the middle. That's all you can do. That's what we do in this <laughs> podcast. We strive for mediocrity. Yep. Amen. Well, uh-huh. I hope that I was able to help you achieve it today. Absolutely. Yes. And thank uh, you for helping us achieve mediocrity, Aaron. Yes. Thank you. Thank Anytime, you. man. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's our episode, guys. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You were a delight. Well, and, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, is there anything you'd like to plug, promote? Uh, please, please. Floor's I yours. mean, is it Where weird to plug my? Well, yes, definitely stalk me on Instagram because I'm a real crap Twitterer. Uh, but Instagram, I enjoy very much. Erin McGuire Official, that's M-A-G-U-I-R-E. Oh, so complicated. I love it when people tell that they'll tag me in shows and they'll misspell my name all at the same time. It's just oh, awesome. That, I mean, that's it's a real dream, thing. right? 
It is. I'm living the dream. I just want to be mistaken in my name for the rest of the days of my life. So you can find me there also at Deer Pod Official, which is my podcast where it's uh, me and my friend Patrick O'Brien, my co-host. Uh, we read articles of Ann Landers and Dear Abby and Darren Patterson is a big fan of ours. So I think that you should definitely, you know, he's got good taste. Yes. So trust him. Guys, this podcast has a Darren Patterson stamp of approval. So, yes. I mean, I mean, that's like Zaggett's. I mean, this is five stars. That's right. (laughs) So I I genuinely listen to this episode weekly, and I really get a kick out of it. So if you're you're anything like me, you go and listen to this podcast. Pronto. We're very demented, and we're very funny and dry, and we are definitely not safe for work. Oh, oh Lord, no. Yo, yo, you will be doubled over laughing, if just for the porn noises. I mean, my God. (laughs) I'm, I'm looking at your your Instagram page now, and you've had you've had Katie Huffman from the producers on the podcast. Too. Yeah, she's a pal of mine. She's uh, yeah. Mm, so nice. it's like I, we I've lived in a lot of different worlds, and yeah. there's going to come a day where they all come together in my own late night show. But uh, yeah, Katie's great. Wow. It was it was listen to that episode because she talks musical theater history. I mean, she has lived through so much of it, you know, and Tony Award winner. Yeah, the stories that she tells are just wild. So I will check. Yeah, we got a little yeah. bit of everything. We've got guests, but we read articles of Ann Landers and Dear Abby. We come up with a theme every week, and then if we find guests to fit the theme, then we have them on. And we've had some phenomenal people. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a hoot and a half. Because oh, I remember yeah. I listened to the episode where you had uh, Larry Dallas from Three's Company, Mister. Yes, Richie Klein. Richie Klein, yes, it's fantastic. Oh episode. my god. So fun. It was so fun to talk to him about 80s stuff and John Ritter. Oh, my God. We were in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, please listen to that podcast. It's, it's a good it's a good one, as they say. Good one, baby. Yeah. Right. It's as tasty as corn pudding. And, uh, <laughs> if, and if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Dare Incredible. That's D-A-R-A Incredible. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic. And you can also follow our show's Twitter page at SNL Nerd Show. So, good. Uh, please donate to the Patreon. Donate. Yeah, we got a Patreon, you know, kicking a couple of bucks to help us keep the lights on. Why don't you? Mm-hmm. Support these potters. Right. Yeah. Support the arts. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, um, we're gonna be back next week with another thing. Uh, but until then, no doubt. doubt. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.